Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Flame On. We have a special 101 for you today. I'm Pat, the bearskin rung. <laughs> and this is Eric, the muscle daddy. And today we'll be talking about Jean Grey. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 101 that we've been planning for a while. But we put on the back burner because we thought it would be too gay. Putting you and me in a room together to, <laughs> to sit and just marvel at... Marvel Girl. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think this next hour or so will be full of really bad puns. and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. <laughs> All right. So pretty much a brief uh, intro into what we're doing here is, Eric, when we first met, and you're wearing the shirt right there, signifying shirt. one of the best storylines, I think, in... Uh, X-Men history. Oh, Comic yeah. book history. Yeah, the the whole Phoenix saga from the beginning all the way through till the death on the moon. <laughs> don't don't cry, don't cry. Powder those powder those tears away. Oh, okay, I'll powder right over them. Come on. <laughs> so we wanted to take a little bit of time, and especially with uh, with the Marvel now relaunch reboot, however you want to refer to it. Marvel's a relaunch. DC did the reboot. All right, so the relaunch with Marvel now, and we'll get into uh, that at the end with the all new X Men and. The return of Jean Grey to the Marvel Universe. Kind of. But yes. The, yes. The Marvel con- convoluted mess that we're going to call Jean Grey's return. <laughs> hey, she's back. I know, I don't care. She's back and she's going to be on the pages of our comic book, oh, so I'm happy God. about that. Thank God. So this next uh, hour or so that we sit here and talk about it, it's going to be just going over her history, where she's been, where we think she's going, and... Just some of our little highlights as, you know, young gay men just idolizing that red hair and green eyes and the power to move things with your mind. Oh, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we we have a, a kind of a loose little thing that we're going to go with here, and I'm sure we'll venture off into little subtopics here and there. But Us? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, basically, do you want to go into her origins? The origin? I believe if my origin of Jean Grey is correct, um, she was born in New York, and when she was a little girl, I think she was like eight, eight or nine when her friend Annie died, and it was the first time her telepathic powers kicked in, and I just, just Professor Xavier had to shut them down because she had that connection with Annie, and she basically watched Annie die in her mind. And it was a very, like, she went into almost like a catatonic state, Professor Xavier coaxed her out. And shut down her telepathic powers. So from there, she was basically the first student of Charles Xavier. 
and he went to her first until eventually then she went and joined the school but I love my girl I love that girl but I mean there's so many different origins that's one then there's the movie one where she was just a little redheaded bitch that raised cars on the street corner nobody minded <laughs> yeah I, I, I prefer- nobody burnt that house down no no I prefer the uh, the best friend dying getting hit by a car origin that's it really plays a, a huge role into what her character has been and her strength, yet I think kind of her vulnerability and her weakness really just comes from the fact that she watched her best friend die at such a young age. And well, it was Annie was hit by a car. Yeah, right? yeah. And then as she was lying there dying, you know, so graphic for that time, you know, the early 60s for that to be how you're going to depict a character's <laughs> origin. <laughs> But that was probably even later on. I can't even say when they first appeared. That's how because she just showed up at the school before they ever really went back into all of their origins. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, it, it's one of those things where they uh, they kind of left a lot of mystery about all of those characters until they really needed to to kind of put it into a perspective and show you the the background of them. But she did have the telepathic powers. They were shut down, so it kind of left her almost a little stunted when it came down to it and now if she were still around who knows what she'd be doing well it's it's funny I don't even remember when her telepathic powers came back into play you know I, I can't remember I remember her telekinesis telekinesis but then I remember the Phoenix saga and that's when she had her telepathy again so it's somewhere in between she had to start gaining it back but I don't remember I don't remember that if there was a story arc or what have you yeah, I think I think the Phoenix uh, saga really was where it kind of brought her tele- telepathic abilities back into the forefront because of the fact that she had all this extra power and it just kind of opened up her entire mind. Because originally the Phoenix was Jean Grey. Right. That was what it was supposed to be. And there was never any clone and, you know, she was at the bottom of the river. It was, that's Jean Grey. And it was another avenue for her to have more power and for her to do all these amazing things. So much more. <laughs> oh, the power. No, but she had the, uh, the telepathic powers beforehand because she uh, took the memories from Dr. Corbeau, had to shuttle the, uh, the shuttle, had to uh, pilot the shuttle. True. So, that is very true. You know, so I, I, but I don't know when that started and when that opened up. It's probably before I even started reading the X-Men. You know, because I didn't start until the Dark Phoenix saga. That's where I started. That was, I think, part of, probably around the same time that I did, or that's one of the, my first major memories of the X-Men was uh, going back and getting that trade paperback. Yeah. You know, that was, and to this day, that's still probably the most, um, the most amazing piece of literature I think I've ever read. Oh, my, it was so, for such a, being such a young kid and reading something so deep and heavy and, like, real, you know, watching a major player die, someone that was so loved and adored. And it was funny, I didn't... Like, I collected the X-Men because that was the thing to do. All my friends were reading X-Men, but I didn't understand them. Until one friend sat me down and gave me everything from the Phoenix Saga up. Because all I knew was this girl, Jean Grey, that everybody talks about but is not around. You know, I'm like, I don't understand. (laughs) Who is this girl? (laughs) And I fell in love with her. When I read the whole thing, that's when I fell in love with Jean Grey. Yeah, that... I'm the same way. I came into it a little bit later, but I went back and I um, I saw those issues and the whole Phoenix saga, and that was really one of those 
key things for me. Jean Grey was probably the one that just stuck out of my mind as the, my focal point. And I'm not sure what it was for me, but it was just very much about it was that vulnerability, it was that power, but she wasn't the one that was up in everybody's face fighting them. It wasn't, it was more about being intellectual and cerebral about how to attack and how to do these things and but being lovable at the same time. Like, everybody loved her. Everybody loved her. Yeah. How dark and evil she got. Everybody just loved you. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people hate her. Like, or disliking of her in, as a comic book character because no matter what she does bad, like, everybody still loves her. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I just killed an entire solar system and 16 billion aliens. <laughs> oh, Gene. Come that's on over Gene. here. Gene. <laughs> I just love it. Oh. All right. So, yeah. So, that probably is why most people do haters because of the fact that she can do no wrong. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, Emma calls her a cow constantly, but also respects her. Yes. You know, she hates her, but can't, has to respect her because what she does do for the X-Men. Exactly. Even in death and the fact that she's not around with the Jean Grey school now. And I know with the, the separation of the two, the two sides. Um, but, yeah, it's the fact that she has she's had the most effect on the entire X universe more than I think even Charles Xavier has, you know, all the way down to now renaming the Xavier Institute, the Jean Grey school for higher learning. Well, yeah. And it's funny, uh, for so long, like since she died for the billionth time, I was just like waiting for her to come back. Please, please bring her back. Please bring her back. And then after a while, I realized that her name has more power than she does. That if she was to appear, she picks sides, you know, she would fight for her word, but now everybody's speculating. It's like during schism or schism, whatever the fuck it's called, with Cyclops and uh, Wolverine, you know, if she was there, she would have chosen a side and be like, no, you're wrong. And instead, her name just digs at people some, sometimes between Emma and Wolverine and Cyclops. And I think having that whole thing happen with her not being there preserved, no matter which side you were on as a reader, it let you kind of feel that she would choose Cyclops or she would choose Wolverine and you can kind of in your own head decide I think that this was the right choice and you kind of are able to have that where if she was there she would have to choose right. a side she'd be like no you're wrong no you're right and you know and you would have to yeah you'd be forced to not be able to kind of play that out in your own mind as to what would happen you know the only thing I did love and the end of AVX fell flat for me um, I did enjoy it and I, I'm sad that I missed out on the actual conversation during the, the regular podcast right. for it but um I, I did find it kind of amusing in a way in that that realm because the shadow Jean Grey mm-hmm. that appeared to Cyclops, one of, the, one of the last things that she said to, to him, and I think it might have actually been the last thing, was tell Wolverine I like the name of the school. Well, then, no, that was – she did that in oh, – I think it was Uncanny X-Men uh, when Cyclops is Dark Phoenix and he's flying and flying and he's going to the end of the universe, which is the White Hot Room. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, I'm disgusted with you. Like, she was totally going off on him that he's doing this. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, one more thing. Before you go, tell Wolverine I like the name of the school. I was like, oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she threw a little dig in there. Yeah, as well, but you know. in, the, uh, in AVX, in number 12, like her shadow, she's like, Scott, you have to stop. This has to stop. And I just started masturbating when I read that. And feverishly. And it did, he didn't even have to say Gene before there was a mess all over the register. <laughs> <laughs> just that was, I've waited so long for something that that was enough. Yeah. That at least it paid homage to her being the Phoenix and exactly. not totally ignoring it. Exactly. Giving that goddamn hope. Goddamn son of a bitch. 
<laughs> so uh, what I got out of that entire conversation is when I go to buy my comics at a comic shop over in Winter Park, make sure that the pages aren't stuck together. <laughs> If they have anything to do with Jean Grey. Oh, everybody knows. <laughs> so, all new X-Men, they're all afraid to touch those books coming. Especially, what is it, uh, issue three or five? That's all, like, Jean is the cover of it. Oh, three. Three? Three. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah. I am actually, um, Aaron, if you are listening, I'm going to beg you now that I'm asking for the variant because they have that pure Jean Grey variant of number one. Oh, uh, the phoenix in the background, and oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, yeah, we we need to get a hold of that. Aaron, copy. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, I love you too. Come on. And my luck is probably like $150 variant. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll all pull our money together. We'll frame it. It'll go from house to house. It's, I got it this week, people. <laughs> the sisterhood of the traveling phoenix. You know? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Every so often they're good. Every so often they are. All right. So I think that that kind of covers a bit of uh, basically the the summary of her life. So let's pop into a couple of different uh, different things. I think we touched on her role in the original X Men. Uh, when I say original X Men, I mean the five. Yeah, the first five uh, that there will be coming back in all new X Men. Will. We haven't read it yet, so we'll wait and yeah, see. Yeah, we'll wait. I was hoping. Yes. Well, and this should come out right before this. You guys will be hearing this right before All New X-Men comes out. So we'll all get to read it together and Yay. either be very happy or very sad all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a collective groan as if we all were like... <sighs> Although I do have to say, just in touching on that real quick, in the... Um, the that preview, the review, yes, the the what one or two pages that they showed right. it, where Beast is going back, and he's the one that kind of recruits them in secret. Yeah, from he's like, their you have times. to stop this. Yeah, you know, I'm like, huh? It, it was it was actually quite compelling. I so I'm I'm not throwing it to the wayside just yet. I, I want to see if it's going to be that compelling writing throughout the whole thing, or if it may start out strong and then kind of taper off. We'll see how they they pull that all together well somebody posted on my uh, wall one of the pages from it and it shows like Wolverine yelling at a class not teaching them yelling at them and all of a sudden like you just focus Gene they pop in and you just focus on Gene and you see him like sniff and just like head out the door and I'm like oh <laughs> he's either gonna become a pedophile at this point because <laughs> he's you know like 150 years old she's, at least she's 17 <laughs> no come on 17 at least make her 17 <laughs> Oh, everybody wants to make it so young. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, they were all really young when they when they started the school. They were barely teenagers. But, you know, sometimes I think about, you know, if we think about a whole timeline, I mean, it's like probably last week was the Dark Phoenix saga <laughs> in our world, you know? It's two weeks ago when she turned to Dark Phoenix. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was 40 years ago. Uh, two weeks ago, whatever. Exactly. Well, it, it, always, it always makes me laugh about the continuity with ages and everything, because if they really age the way that they should... They'd all be, you know, dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> and nothing was more prevalent than. And I was out. I had gotten out of comic books for so long, and um, after meeting you guys and, and really kind of getting back into it, I've gone back and I've read a lot of stuff. And I was just reading um, the all new X Men books, and then I was reading War Song and I, or End Song. I'm sorry, and a couple of the other things. And there's the one where the one I forget which book it was. Uh, the Cuckoos were pissed at Emma. And they walk away from her, and they like they called her old. And you know, like the last bubble on that, you know, that page is, "I'm only 27." I'm like, "Bitch, in what world are you only 27?" 
<laughs> like, I am 31. <laughs> you were when Dazzler had like mirrors on her roller skates. <laughs> exactly. That was my first, my first introduction to Emma Frost was in the Dark Phoenix Saga with mm-hmm. the Hellfire Club and Dazzler with her, dis- her giant disco ball chain <laughs> and her face paint, you know. <laughs> So it's just it's funny that you know yeah you really don't kind of get a sense for how old they are. Well yeah, see in uh, DC they do a reboot every. I'm noticing every about fifteen twenty years they start over so this character stay young. Gotcha. In Marvel they continue the continuity, but then you know they bring up the like Franklin Richards who's going to be the stage forever. <laughs> you know you'll only get a futuristic you know so you'll never really get them really aging. Yeah, truly exactly. It, it's kind of like the Simpsons in that respect kind of like me <laughs> eric is only 21 <laughs> you can't see me don't judge me <laughs> exactly so going into the dark phoenix saga the phoenix saga the dark phoenix saga eric tell us about the intro to the first time the phoenix was introduced into the, the x first universe. time i mean Right off the bat, how it happened is that she sacrificed herself. Like she put every Scott into a coma, threw him, and they put in that was that radio act, uh, the, that shielding. Yes. So the radio cosmic rays wouldn't hit them, and she was like willing to give up her life. And that's when the Phoenix calls out to her and says, "You know, I could save your friends. I could save this." And I remember reading it when my friend gave it to me and seeing her body like totally deteriorating. Like she, her hair was half gone. Like you saw the radiation like killing her. And then that's when she was just like, okay, for them. So she didn't take the Phoenix where she wanted to survive. She took the Phoenix where she wanted her friends to survive. Yeah, from the get-go, it was all about them because that was the thing. And that's where we were talking about the, the tele- uh, her telepathic powers being there beforehand because she did learn how to fly the shuttle through telepathy. And then she, her whole thing was, I'm, I have telekinetic powers. I can put a shield up. I have the best chance of getting this to earth in one piece anybody else that tries to do it isn't going to have that as soon as those cosmic rays hit you're dead we're done and that's it so yeah it was definitely that fearlessness that self-sacrifice to say you know what if i die it's worth it because i'm saving the people that i love and that's exactly what the phoenix reached out for and that's what bonded it to gene gray saw her sacrificing and just said let me help Little do we know. (laughs) And then we have the iconic scene that is depicted on Eric's shirt. My shirt. When she just comes out of the water, I am Phoenix. Exactly. Uh, And then drops like a rock. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Somebody catch me. I am life incarnate. (laughs) And if you ever watch the cartoon, if you look at her, her lips are quivering. (laughs) Yes, people, that's how many times I've seen it. Yes, yes, I know. I'm psychotic. <laughs> Which, uh, the cartoon, I think, for being a kid's show in the 90s on what, Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. really did a great job depicting the entire Phoenix Saga from the first Phoenix Saga when she took the powers on and became the iconic um, green and gold Phoenix. Oh. Yes. Uh, you know, that I could teleport the whole team into the spaceship with Lalandra, but then I have to drop. <laughs> then I can't do anything to help you from there on in. I never understood that, but I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could pinpoint Scott with, <laughs> with accuracy. Oh, there he is. Uh. <laughs> she always had bursts of power. She did. <laughs> and then had to take a nap. <laughs> 
We like to call them siestas. <laughs> she went Spanish. Who knew? <laughs> she is La Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining this with, with this picture of G. Gray with a sombrero on her head. <laughs> Maybe we can get Jared to uh, depict that as the art for this episode. Uh, um, but then we went through the whole thing with her being the Phoenix, and everything was all fine and dandy until the absolute power. Until it was Mastermind, really. I, that, I was going to say played with her. It was Mastermind who kind of tripped all of the breakers in her head. Because Charles, knowing that this was going to be, you know, something she needed to gradually grow into, grow into and, and become and live, put the psychic breakers into her head. So that way she did not have absolute power from the get-go, because we all know absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yay. And um, it, I may be wrong. I Again, I don't have a, a huge definitive knowledge of everything before the Phoenix Saga, um, but the this was, I think, the first really major depiction of the Hellfire Club. That was the first appearance of the Hellfire Club. It was, okay. Yeah, it was uh, I, I, I thought so. I just wasn't positive. Um, and that's where you had Sebastian Shaw, uh, Franklin Pierce. Uh, Donald Pierce. Donald Pierce, yes. Uh, Leland. Yeah, Leland Who's that, that Price. I know his last name is Leland. I forget his Wayland? Wayland Leland, something like that. Yeah. But he was the one who could manipulate mass. Yes. He's yes. And He's the one that crushed queen? Wolverine into the uh, yeah, right the to sewer. The <laughs> and then you had the White Queen, and between her and uh, Mastermind, and what uh, what was Mastermind's? Mastermind role? can create illusions. Emma made them real. Yes, but what was his? Because they were all they all had um, chess names. Jason Weingard. But they, yeah, well, that, that was, was his, his. That was his persona. Was his his illusion and, persona. Oh, uh, was he like the Black Rook? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember that. Because uh, he had the White Queen, he had the Black King with Sebastian Shaw. Right. Um, See, I don't know Pierce. I didn't know if he had a title or they. They Leland all did, I, but they weren't really referred to. The, Emma was the only one who has never really had really a, anything else except the White it's, Queen. It's, yeah, it's her name or <laughs> the, the White, White Queen. Queen, and that was it. She never really had a another supervillain name. Where everybody else, Sebastian Shaw, they all went by their names really more than anything else. But uh, but yeah, Mastermind. Popped himself in as Jason Wingard mm. and uh, took her back into medieval times and revolutionary times and basically manipulated Phoenix into being the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. In a little bra and panties. Yeah. <laughs> her corset. <laughs> and her hair up in that crazy that bun. bun. That big, huge bun. <laughs> I don't even think you can call that a bun. That, that's her sombrero right there. <laughs> she wrapped it around the sombrero. I think there was a chin strap. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> when we said this might be the gayest podcast, it is the ever. gayest podcast. It really is. But yeah, she became the Black Queen, and she was just downright evil. But then the Jean Grey part that was still kind of there was the one that fought. Do you remember how she broke free of Mastermind's hold? It was ah. Oh. They captured the X Men. They captured the X Men, and then she battled. Uh, he was battling Cyclops, but she went and killed. See, I get mixed up. Is it the cartoon I'm thinking of or the actual comic book? I think it was. I, I think they were actually both pretty close. Pretty close, right? Yeah, they they captured all of them because the X Men broke into the Hellfire Club and they fought. That was the whole thing with um, Pierre or yeah, with the, Wait, the Leland Leland knocking Wolverine into the the sewer, um, and then they had them all chained up. But because Gene and Cyclops still had their psychic link, he popped into her head 
in their revolutionary times, and they had the duel. Wingard and Cyclops had the duel. When Wingard won and stabbed and ran him through with the sword and killed, quote unquote, killed him. Right. They uh, that was what triggered Jean's breakthrough, as opposed to the Black Queen taking over and being a part of the Hellfire Club. And that's when she finally turned around and said, "I'm not the Black Queen." And then made Wingard. All right, I'm going to play power. something. This is how crazy I am. Right. I've already been free. Set free from the constraints of sympathy and morality that bind ordinary human beings. The Phoenix Force inside me aches for sensation. Jason Weingart has shown us the way. Can't you see it all around you? There's only darkness. This is not your mind. Wingard is deceiving you. <laughs> the dark joy of destruction. Now, when I get mad, that's what I listen to. <laughs> I love that cartoon so much that whenever I whenever I think of them speaking, it's always in those voices all the time. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how I hear it. And I have that. I have a few clips that I just when I have my moments, I just listen over and over. I've got the DVDs out in the garage. I'm <laughs> Me you, I made too. sure I, I had to pack up a bunch of stuff. I made sure that that stayed out. I'm like, if I ever just have one of those days. Pop in X Men Volume Whatever. I think it's three. Dark Phoenix Saga, and hit play and just watch him through. <laughs> but yeah, so she made so she broke free of uh, Wingard and made him one with the stars. Oh, turned him into a fucking vegetable. I was just. Do you want to see me how I truly am? <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> and he's gone. And that was, I think, the first time that we saw that uh, Mastermind was like this really ugly old man. Yeah, that was the illusion. Away the illusion of Jason Wingard. And he was at just almost he reminded me of a little bit of Toad. Yeah, kind of Toadish, very old, yeah, very like ugly. Ooh, yeah, was so ugly. She was probably, oh god. <laughs> She's like, now that's why I'm gonna show you how, how I truly am. <laughs> uh, so that that was really kind of the spark that ignited the Dark Phoenix, and then they went. She went crazy. They tried to stop her, and. It took a turn for the moon. It did. But for a while, I mean, it was a battle. And we saw the battle of Jean Grey and Phoenix, you know. And then Jean Grey assists uh, Professor Xavier to tame the Phoenix to block it off until that fucking bitch Lelandra shows up. The Phoenix and Jean Grey must die. I hate Lelandra. Oh. <laughs> when she died in the comic books, I was praising the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't, you know. And it, for a moment, you think that maybe it can be contained. But then when Lelandra brings all the points of the Phoenix... And ignites it again on the moon when they go into that battle. Well, and I think it was even shown beforehand that even Jean, as the Phoenix, knew that it couldn't really be contained within her. Because that battle right before it gets taken to the moon is at her parents' house. Yeah. They set that trap for her and Storm does the fog and Colossus is trying to beat her down with a tree. Wolverine's, you know, jumping her and, you know, all this. And she's taking him out one by one. And then Jean takes over for a second when Wolverine's got her pinned down. And she's like, kill me. <laughs> and that that's the point where I think no matter how much you didn't want it to be that way, you kind of knew that's where it had to go. But it still was so like, oh, no. Like, Jean, I don't care if you killed 60 million aliens. <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> Along with everybody else. <laughs> And then, yeah, they they took it to the moon, and it uh, became a showdown. They they challenged uh, 
the Imperial Guard to that one last battle. And if the X-Men won, Gene lived, and the Phoenix lived. And if they didn't, then they could kill Phoenix. Do you know what I read? I was going through my collection not too long, and I came across, uh, uh, shockingly, Gene Grey comics. <laughs> and But there was – I forgot all about this, but the Jabari, which the the planet that she destroyed – um, there were some survivors, you know, that were on the space shuttles and doing these, uh, these trips and they came back and the system was gone. So they were hunting for her and they come and they find her. And so she was such a, at this point, I believe she had no t- telekinesis, just telepathic powers. And she was so powerful that she made them play out the scenario in their head to think that they destroyed the Phoenix, that she looked like the Phoenix and they did this whole battle. And then you're thinking that she became the Phoenix again. I'm like, oh my God, I don't remember this. And then at the end, they leave and she drops the facade. And the X-Men are like, what did you do? Well, they wanted to believe that they killed me. So I let them believe that they killed me. I'm like, oh my God, woman. (laughs) I was like, that was unbelievable. That's fantastic. Yeah, just to see the Dabari, some of the survivors come back for her. Head, <laughs> the broccoli people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the broccoli people. <laughs> the broccoli people got their revenge. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah. So, uh, and then we find out, and then this was this was a big difference between the comics and the cartoon version of that was the fact that in the cartoon version, because it was a Saturday mor- morning cartoon in the nineties for kids, she didn't die. Nope. She was allowed to have a piece of her taken, or um, they. She was sacrificed. Everybody had to sacrifice a piece of themselves, right? A little piece to of heal kind of soul to heal her, to heal her, and she became Jean Grey again and was fine and dandy. Where we know in the comics in that the wasn't comic the case. Books, she had she had that battle, and she's like, I can't control this. She donned the Marvel Girl outfit, her little uh, her little short skirt started. <laughs> And at the end, blood red and gold, baby. <laughs> but she pulled the trigger on herself. It she was did. they outran the uh, the Imperial Guard as much as they could, and then they turn around and there she goes. Here's a laser. I'm out. Yep, she takes herself out. She exerted enough energy that she knew she can kill her. her the shell, I guess. Yeah, that exactly. her body was holding the Phoenix Force, so she destroyed it. Exactly. <laughs> I was, and, it was so then, sad. And then because of all of the outrage and the popular demand for wanting Jean Grey back, they retconned the entire Dark Phoenix <laughs> I think it was eight years that she was gone. Something about that. I think it, it was, was like between five and eight years that she was gone. And then I think it was in Fantastic Four. Yes. John Byrne, John Byrne, who was one of the people who was the artist at the time, killed her. Uh, was the player that wrote and brought her back and explained that the Phoenix Force actually duplicated Jean Grey. Yes. And Jean Grey was in a healing cocoon at the bottom of Jamaica Bay. Yes, because the Fantastic Four called up the X-Men and they're like, hey, we found something. We think it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> it had a, if found, please return to Xavier Institute <laughs> sticker on it. And um, when, yeah, when she came out of that, she just remembered, I think it was like they were about to deal with... Uh, what was the guy's name who did with the Trask and the Sentinels? And yes. right before that's when the Phoenix and they went to space and stuff. So that's yes. all she remembered. And so she came right out of that thinking that this was all Sentinel-based. And this was actually where, and it's it's taken a bit of a turn, but this is where one of my favorite teams, aside from, you know, my core X-Men, was developed. Because when Jean Grey came back, Cyclops had left. 
and married. Maddie. <laughs> Madeline Pryor. We won't get into that clone. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. I am not Madeline Pryor, I swear. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cyclops had left. And the, the whole point was for was it really to write Cyclops out of the X-Men at that point. Move on with Madeline and her resemblance to Jean originally was just supposed to be coincidental. And he was supposed to be gone. And that was it. And when they retconned and decided to say that it wasn't Jean, that it was, you know, her body was put away and allowed to heal. And the Phoenix created a new body in her exact replica to do all this stuff. Um, that's when the whole thing with making Madeline Pryor a clone came about in the whole... It all started with Sinister and... Uh, exactly. The Sinister and tie to the Summers line and the fact that Jean Grey and Cyclops would produce these offspring that would be amazing. Well, look at them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the funny part is that none of none of the kids were actually... Cyclops and Jeans from the 616 timeline. Except Cable. No. Cable's Madeline's. Well, that's a clone. See, Jean doesn't want the stretch marks. <laughs> so she's just like, Her yeah, yeah, yeah. clone. I have to stay at 110 pounds to fit in this fucking costume. <laughs> like, I got six kids and not a stretch mark to prove it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's when X-Factor was founded. Yes. And they... X-Factor began from that because after all of that happened, the original five X-Men kind of moved away from the X-Men titles, and then it was focused on the new team. Well, at the, at the time, I believe the X-Men were considered dead. They went through the siege. Yeah. The perilous, the and they were living perilous, in yes. uh, Australia. I think yes. the Outback. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, they took over the Reavers uh, hideout and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that's where they were hiding. That's right. So they were dead. So they were out of the focus. Cyclops was gone. He started his own life, and then they found Gene. And it's like, hey, look what we found. Let's form a new team. <laughs> Dumps his wife, his kid, and runs to Gene. <laughs> all, all against Gene Gray's wishes. Mm-hmm. But by the time that he went back, Maddie was up and out. Oh, she yeah. took Nathan and was like, we're out. See you later. So that was the form of X Factor. And then and they were the government mutant team right they were supposed to be the government mutant team and we all know that that eventually went downhill very quickly always but you had but what did come out of that was probably my second favorite storyline out of all of them inferno the inferno oh. storyline oh i'm just rereading it now i have the big huge omnibus <laughs> oh i may need to borrow that at some point because that was i remember hunting those issues down oh. and reading i don't think i read across every title that it affected but I think I covered the majority of of this those had, there. This had every. This has everything in it. I mean, even crap I don't want to read. <laughs> Exterminators. I don't care. I'm like glazing over that crap. <laughs> give me, me X Men. Give me X uh, X Factor. New Mutants. I think were also involved in it. Yeah, somewhat. everybody, everybody yeah. got involved in it. Excalibur yeah. was involved. Oh, X, okay. That's. I was going to say Excalibur. I'm like, I'm not sure if they were still if they were around at that point. That's where Jean's daughter Rachel yes. was the Phoenix. Yes, you know, and she was just hanging out in Britain, and she was just like, Oh God, what's happening <laughs> with her with her crazy lesbian look? Oh. Her mullet with a with a rat tail <laughs> and spikes for days. <laughs> her skin tight red outfit with spikes all over it. She was a lesbian dominatrix. That's really what she was. <laughs> <laughs> she took after her mother's black queen look. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. So then you had the whole showdown with uh, Madeline Pryor became the Goblin Queen and absorbed remnants of the Phoenix Force. So then you had your showdown between Jean Grey and Madeline Pryor. Oh, that was so good. And the epic so battle good. that it was. It was epic. I mean, the fact that like, we found out that Maddie was created by Sinister and he couldn't bring it to life. And then when Jean Grey uh, pushed away the Phoenix Force after she died in the moon, the Phoenix was going to her body again to uh, possess it. And Jean pushes it away. It goes into Maddie. And it brings Madeline Pryor to life. So then it was purely the Phoenix versus Gene. And, oh, what a battle. And we know who won that one. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I was, in my head, I always, no matter whenever I talk about it, I always, in my head is always that iconic picture, the, the cover of the two of them. Locked hands. Locked hands, one up, one down. <laughs> the Goblin Queen crazy... I don't even shreds. Think, yeah, it was shreds of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even an outfit. It was like some crazy things covering her boobs and like a tattered skirt. I don't and her crazy, you know, like goblin like appearance. But that's when uh when that battle ended, Jean absorbed the memories and Madeline Pryor. That, that all of Madeline Pryor's memories, all of the Phoenix's memories of her time as Jean Grey during the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga and she had to deal with the fact that Holy shit. I killed 16 million broccoli people. <laughs> and and how, she, how am I ever going to deal with this? But it wasn't me. <laughs> I swear it wasn't me. So then, I think that was really kind of the quote-unquote death of the Phoenix for a long time. For year, Oh, my God. Yeah, we really, we had little hints and little play on it. For years, I mean, Rachel was the Phoenix, her yeah. daughter, so we just had that going on. But and she was hanging out in England. Nobody really Yeah, she was really in England. Nobody cared. They met, I mean, you know, they met here and there, so it was, like, kind of cute. And, and well, and a big thing with that was that she pushed Rachel away at first yeah. because of the fact that... She saw the Phoenix Force. Exactly. And, but we know, like, um, in the future, in Rachel's future, her and um, Franklin Richards get married mm -hmm. so they tie in that family and i remember there i forget the name of the story arc but they did a story arc where uh the franklin and rachel being together and everybody coming together and so that was a lot of fun to watch because then they have a child who would like try to kill everybody again i think his name was like hyperion or something but i remember They're reading out of this something but i was i remember reading it looking at him he had like this this uh, headdress on and look like a little phoenix logo. I'm like, what the hell? And then at the end, he explains who he is. I was like, oh, he's power <laughs> phoenix and Franklin. Oh God, <laughs> God knows what he will do in that. Um, but yeah, and, and that's one of those things where and I was just kind of reading about Rachel, some of Rachel's stuff, and the fact that she is the only one of her kind. There is no other rachel out there no it's her timeline rachel and that's it and there is no more of her timeline she exactly fixed it. yeah so that's gone the days of future past is past yeah now she's just here which i'm curious to see if with this new movie if there's any indication of rachel in the new x-men movie since it's going to be days of future past well supposedly i know patrick stewart signed on i know gene gray signed on for wolverine yes I saw that. Something More like than likely just a flashback, but... Yeah, it's a flashback still. that they've met and all this stuff. Yeah. So I would love to see, you know, something like that. And I'm curious about who they're going to use as the portal. Exactly. You know, who's in the future that's going to possess the one in the past. Do we do we have more of Kitty Pride? Do we bring her, you know, and Kate Pride in the, in the future? Do we have Rachel? Do we have... Uh, or do we do something along the lines with Bishop? 
I think you know. something's telling me it's going to be Dazzler, that they're going to meet Dazzler in our time. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, what would it be the 70s at that point? So it would be yeah. kind of perfect timing for Dazzler, and why not a futuristic Dazzler gets thrown, or they put her there. You know, she goes through it, and Allison Blair. Hmm. I know uh, the comic book queers Facebook group that, I, that I'm a part of on Facebook, there's a huge... Dazzler following in there, so I'm pretty sure that they would all let out a collective squee <laughs> if Dazzler was involved. Well, in I it. remember reading somewhere that there's hints that Dazzler's going to be a part of. It. I'm like, that would be a pretty cool, cool portal yeah. for them. You know, a new character developing and then showing. You know, yeah, so I would like that. It'd be nice to see some of those characters from, especially that were really brought forth because of such great storylines like the Phoenix Saga, because uh, that was Dazzler's first appearance at mm-hmm. the nightclub, and you know. It would be nice to see those things brought into it and and fleshed out. And I would like to see them kind of go back to some of the more comic book-related origins and not twist them as much for the movie adaptation of it. Because you've got people that either have stopped reading. Like, for me, I had stopped reading for so long before the X-Men movies came out that there were certain mutations that I didn't realize had happened. You know, like Psylocke melting into shadows like I'm like what is this one chick doing in the movie and then I read I'm like that's Psylocke what mm-hmm. you know it it's just kind of bizarre so it's it'd be nice to kind of keep if the mutations are part of what they do in the comics great fine dandy but don't mess with where they came from right you know or at least try to keep them somewhat similar if you're not going to be able to tie it in exactly you know with like you said with the Jean Grey origin of the movie versus the comic book origin Rogue's origin in the movie and I'm a huge Rogue fan on on top of everything Love else. Love Rogue. I hated Rogue's... She never did anything. Exactly. That was the thing that, you know, she wasn't... And I hated the fact that they, they then matched her in the comic book. They took away her Miss Marvel. I love that Miss Marvel Rogue. You know, yeah. the battle of the mind, of her keeping control, or Carol taking over here and there, you know, and but having that, that little Supergirl thing going on. I love that about Rogue. I mean, they, they just took that away, and I'm like... Ugh. They gave her layers upon layers because she had other people in her, you know. Right, and it was such a it was such a crazy way to give somebody something to do without having to do anything. It's like, well, <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna I just got to fight in my own head right now. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go check it out, people. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how they they tie in all of that. But then uh, after. Inferno, and we go through all that. We then lead into the 90s, Jean Grey, who I think was kind of around the time that I started really getting into it after Inferno and into um, when you had the blue and gold teams. Yes. And, when uh, Jim, it was Uncanny X-Men and X-Men. Yes. And it was really, I think right after X-Factor is when it was no longer, nobody called her Marvel Girl anymore. It was just Jean. Just yeah. Jean. Exactly. Jean, 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 even in the Jean cartoon, Gray. you had Cyclops, you had Storm, you had Rogue, Jean Grey. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> not even Marvel Girl, you got Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, after, because she went from Marvel Girl to Phoenix, back to Marvel Girl, and then she was Marvel Girl all through X Factor, and then they, you know, updated everything. Well, they very rarely called her Marvel Girl in that, and then after Inferno, she was just, just call me Jean. Yeah, she's like, just hey, Jean. Eh. And that's when she got her crazy 
gold unitard with her her big headpiece with a little like diamond like shape on the top on her forehead because that's where all her power came out of was that diamond because well, it was always three years things. three years she won like uh, the best costume in Wizard when Wizard, Wizard Magazine used to do oh, those things she Wizard. won for three years in a row it's like that's my girl number one <laughs> with that crazy ridiculous outfit uh, it, it's, it's just kind of funny but uh, <laughs> but yeah so then that was where she really kind of separated herself from any of the Phoenix stuff and it was just a, for the longest time it, she was just Jean Grey telepath telekinetic and she just kind of came into her own as a character not tied to any outside force right and then the iconic wedding then the marriage but before, well, before the building up of the marriage Cyclops constantly asked all of yeah. X Factor every chance he got he's like would you marry me she's like shut the fuck up <laughs> she's like I saw what you did to your last but wife then, and you would see that he would like first issue say three like he gets down on when he Jean will you marry me she's like no and then issue four she's like making out Wolverine <laughs> And she was a whore. She was a whore. She made out with so many people. And this is why you are Jean Grey. Right. <laughs> right. Because yet, I do all this stuff. You still love me. <laughs> oh, Eric. <laughs> we still love you. It's like, I remember so many covers. It would be her and Wolverine. Ah. And then the next moment, it's her and Cyclops. Ah. I'm like, oh. And then her and Warren on a date. What? <laughs> Oh, Angel. Oh, he even had to get in on the action. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, it might have been the link that you posted on my on my Facebook page about through the eyes of Marvel Girl and everything. And they were talking about the fact that, you know, they were all in their teens. Mm-hmm. They were all going through puberty as the five of them. And, I mean, Hank wasn't the big blue thing with hooves that he is now. Because he's got hooves. I don't care what you call it. His feet went from giant feet to giant blue furry feet. And I love giant, free, giant, you know, yeah. that beast. That And that's fine. And even big blue furry beast at first was, I, he was adorable. I you wanted to, to turn to Simba. <laughs> exactly. Now he's got hooves. He looks like a, like a minotaur slash giant blue cat. Like, it's crazy. But they, um, they go into that whole thing in that article about the fact that they were going through puberty and any group of, four guys and one girl you're always going to have that kind of tension and you you know Gene and Cyclops were always kind of a little thing they were but, playing but they're all horny teenagers <laughs> and the only one nobody paid mind to was Bobby oh, poor <laughs> he's Bobby. probably the one who had the spy cam in everybody's room <laughs> until he started fucking around with Havocs girl uh Oh, that's right Polaris oh, that I love mess her. <laughs> oh, she's a mess she's a hot mess but I well, love her now, I mean for years, I wanted to like, but for the years I was reading, she was malice. She was possessed and she was evil. Okay. And then she came out of it and she became Polaris again. But until they finally admitted the fact that she was Magneto's daughter. Which, oh. I, which I... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees promo rate for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Missed. That's part of that all happened when I wasn't reading, and then I picked up and I wanted to read House of M. Because Ugh. I'd heard so much about it. I, when I Before I started getting back into the books, I went and I read a lot of stuff online. So I'm reading all this stuff about like the House of M and you know the fact that they went from millions upon billions of mutants to 200. Yeah. Well, thank God they were X-Men. <laughs> thank God the 200 were mostly X-Men. Um, but, you know, it's a, I, I know Brian, do not hate me, but it was Grant Morrison that did that. Grant Morrison that, that made the second mutations of everybody. That made a beast into a cat, you know, and that kind of bothered me. Well, the funny part about it is, there's only and, and and please correct me if I'm wrong. There's only two that I know that have secondary mutations: Beast and Emma, and Jean, because her second mutation was becoming the Phoenix again, and that's what he brought back out in her. <sighs> okay, I guess I could see Cyclops. It. No, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. But the, the but the thing is that. Cassandra Nova takes credit Ooh. for um, for Emma's the Diamond Skin in New X Men. Mm-hmm. It's third book, book three. Torn, I think is yeah, I think it's the third book. Yeah, the, uh, when they did them in the, the book, the stuff. volumes. Yeah, the volumes. Because um, Cassandra Nova, that's when they first in- introduced the Hellfire Club back in, and Cassandra Nova takes credit for. She, she says to Emma straight out, "Who do you think was responsible for your Diamond Skin?" You know, so right. it's kind of like so. If you take out, and I, I, I still kind of, I'm if you only Phoenix being yeah, because yeah, I mean, mutation because that's always just kind of been there with her, right? So I could, you know, you could argue the fact that from the beginning she's always kind of retained a piece of it, and it just needed time to kind of grow again. Um, and then if Cassandra Nova takes credit for Emma's, then you just have Beast, <laughs> the poor big blue cat with hooves. <laughs> He's the only. He's, he's the, the only one got screwed. He got screwed, and then and on top of that, apparently in I think all new X Men number one, he talks about mutating more. Well, in the, the the pictures I've seen of him, he looks back to what he used to look like more. You know, like back in the nineties, Beast. Mm-hmm. You know, not that 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 weird hairdo he had. It's not more, the not the long right. Snout, yeah, like so thing. I mean, it looks a little bit back to being what it was. Okay, I hope so. Happy, yeah. Because I can't, you know, some people now draw him that way, and some people draw him the cat way, yeah. depending who want who likes it. And that's and that's that's always kind of the weird thing when you're reading, especially with a crossover like AVX, and you've got the AVX issues where they're drawn by one person. Then you go to Uncanny X Men, and then Beast makes an appearance in there. And it's a whole other set of people writing and drawing for it. And now he looks like a cat in this one. He doesn't look like a cat in this one. Right. He's flat-footed in this one. He's got hooves in this one. You know? I saw I saw a woman walking down to Firestone the other night, and her shoes had no heel. And I swear to God, she looked like Beast. Like, her feet looked like Beast. Because it was just the part, the, her, the balls of her foot and her toes were on the ground. And the way the shoe curved up, I looked at her, and in my head all I thought was, that's exactly what Beast's feet look like. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah so so yeah so we're we're now getting extremely off track right, yeah, yeah, sorry, let's go back to right, back horny to teenagers we, right, we're, we're talking about the marriage yes that's what we're the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, wow, we made a left <laughs> <laughs> we made the hard left and went into 
<laughs> beast hooves. I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, they finally got that one down a little bit. Yeah, we'll edit that one down a little bit. The marriage. Yes. I mean, they finally got married after all these years. I liked that Rachel was there. Yes. And they had a mother-daughter moment, which was very nice. And, you know, it was a very nice wedding. And then, <laughs> what was it like? The day or the, as they were leaving for the honeymoon, they got thrown into the future. They're like, bam, here's your honeymoon, bitches. <laughs> which was actually an awesome the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Yes, that I thoroughly enjoyed that because it gave you so much more insight into what happened. Because we all love little Nathan, Nathan Christopher, and during the whole Inferno saga, they were like, "Please don't sacrifice him to these goblin demons." This little baby, this little baby, and then Apocalypse injects him with the techno virus, yeah. so he gets thrown to the future. And in that future, that's where Gene and Cyclops get transported to raise yes. him by Rachel. Yes, the who mother is Ascani. mother Ascani mm-hmm. at the time, and yeah, so she's like, "You have to raise him and take care of him," and that's when. Gene actually started becoming the mother. Yes. You know, and she actually was his mother yep. at that point. And still not a stretch mark. But yes, she was his mother. <laughs> good for her. Yeah, good no for cocoa her. butter needed. <laughs> yeah, you want to hear something disgusting? Okay. It still has to do with Gene, but it has to do with Madeline Pryor. Okay, there was Nate Gray, which was con- uh, created in Age of Apocalypse. Yes. It was the clone. Uh, it was the DNA of Cyclops and Phoenix. Yes. Okay. So he created this Nate Gray. He comes to our time. In our time, he meets Madeline Pryor. And the two of them have this love affair. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Madeline Pryor is the clone of Jean Grey, which is the DNA that created Nate Grey. <laughs> A little incest, people. Well, and then even if you just turn around and say that he's technically like an alternate version of Cable, which he was, mm-hmm. and then that's Cable's mother. Yeah. So no matter what, no matter how you slice it, it really is just a Oedipus Rex typo. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I read it, and then I think even Jean showed up then. Jean was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was even disgusted. <laughs> she walked in and was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Madeline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she never gets never gets a break. But yeah, in the future, like they have to protect him from apocalypse and did all this training and bringing him up with the techno virus and how to control it. As slim and red. Yes. Red to do. <laughs> R-E-D-D. S-L-Y-M. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It's it a lot of was. fun. But that yeah. was a horrible honeymoon, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, did they get transported right back to like the day it was that like they the left? Next day, you know, because <laughs> Rachel was able to do that. Yeah. God. And then Rachel was like, "Oh." <laughs> and what is it? I think they were there for like twelve years, something like yeah. Like, it was twelve years. Puberty, yeah, they, they brought him up too. Yeah, they pretty much they raised him through his entire childhood into you know puberty and then he goes with the uh clan Ascani. yes and they train him from then on in exactly and then he becomes the warrior cable and comes back and fucks everybody up oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah him and his clone brother strife let's not even get to the, uh, <laughs> the x-men and their clones and the time stream <laughs> anything to give me a headache and they always converge back in 616 like somehow they always manage to end up back here. <laughs> Forty-seven different timelines, <laughs> and they always end up back in this one. <laughs> yeah, Cable, you got Strife, you got um, Nate Gray, you've got Rachel Summers. I, I was sitting there going, I read somebody post something about like the Summers kids, or like what would be a great Fantastic Four, like a um, you know a, a, a different Fantastic Four type of thing, and it was like you know all the the Gray Summers kids. 
I'm like, God damn, there really are a lot of them, aren't there? <laughs> For two people that have never had a child together. Exactly. They have a lot of kids. They have a lot of kids. They have a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a bit much. It's yeah. a bit, but I always, I always joked about when I'm, whenever I read comics, I'm like, you know, Marvel and their time stream is like DC with their Earths. <laughs> DC has an earth for all occasions. Marvel, we're just going to stick our hand in this time stream and we're going to rip this person out. And that's where you came from. Yeah. Exactly. What earth are you from? Oh, earth 312. I don't know. I lost count somewhere back there. I hopped on a couple different earths before I got here, so I'm not sure where I'm at anymore. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely a... Um, a a big piece of the puzzle that was missing because Cable had been around for a little while then he had taken the New Mutants over made them into X-Force and to get to see where he came from and, and really kind of get some closure from Inferno mm-hmm. for the people that had been around for that long right. for it and then to really kind of give Gene and Cyclops and especially considering they've never had a child together in the 616 you know our real reality our reality uh, it was nice to, for them to have that time to be parents together. Right. You know, it might have been in a crazy, you know, apocalyptic age. But hey, <laughs> they got to raise a child together. So it was good times. Uh, <laughs> and then in between the uh, after adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, there was, I remember a battle. I think it was called Sins of the Father, where uh, Cyclops sacrificed himself and merged with Apocalypse. So Jean lost him. Yes. For years. Like she went on the journey, of course, to search for him, to search for Cyclops, and she eventually finds him. And it was, I think, it coincided with the movie, right around the time for the movie, because when she got him back, when they, she separated Apocalypse from Scott, we got a younger Cyclops. Like in the movie, he was younger mm-hmm. than her, so they uh, they did that, and that's when it went into New X Men. Mm, mm, mm. That fucking bitch. <laughs> Speaking about Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because uh, that was a huge, huge thing through pretty much that entire beginning run of it with six books, six or seven books. When they when they traded them, they put them all together. To three, volumes. yeah, so it was six, uh, six originally, and then it went to th- uh, three omnibuses. Okay, yeah, because uh, I've gone through the six, the six books. That was part of what actually got me back into reading them was um, Brian knowing uh, my love of Phoenix – and wanting me to kind of get back into reading some of the stuff. So he started me with uh, with New X-Men 1 with uh, Grant Morrison's run. Right? Yes, it was Grant Morrison. Yes. Frank Qu- Quietly? Quitly? Quietly. Through most of it, yes. Yeah. Quietly did the majority of it, which is where I learned I'm not a huge fan of his beast. And then the man I'm in love with, Phil Jimenez, did the ending. Oh, yes. So hot. Yes. With his uh, crazy Wolverine's ass being the cover of that, that volume. No, that it. was Mark Silvestri. He, oh, did, he did the le- very last issue. Ah, he did okay. the the tomorrow man of tomorrow, something like that it was called. Yeah, X Men uh, tomorrow. Here comes tomorrow. Here comes tomorrow. And then went into the future. Yes, after this was all done, because that's where everything got fixed. Right. Because then you know, all right, yeah. So after Gene's death, but anyhow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll grumble, grumble right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> so that was where they started to play on the telekinesis coming back into a major play for Jean because at at that point she really was more just a telepath right they kind of stripped away her telekinetic powers and um, the blossoming of her telekinesis again and her trying to deal with what's going on in her body as far as her powers go and being really kind of distant from Cyclops 
or or in that case, really Cyclops being distant from her. Right. He was the one who was trying to find, since he's in this younger body, he doesn't know what he went through. So he was doing, the person that was there for him was Emma. And I remember there would be times, I think there was a, a story when the, uh, Scott and Wolverine and Emma, they were in Japan. And Gene comes there. It was nighttime now. Gene pops in, you know, and you see this, like, the, the telepathic version of her. And she's like, hmm, Emma's the first thing on your mind. Should I be jealous? I was like, oh. <laughs> and that was the build. And that was slowly, like, she, Emma fell in love with Cyclops, yes. <sighs> she fell in love with him. But they didn't have a physical affair. They had a mental affair. Yeah. Oh, meh. That until I eventually get over it. I know. We'll never get over it. <laughs> well, I'll, yeah, I'll never get over it. Uh, but yeah, they did have the the mental affair, and it really kind of seemed to start out innocent mm-hmm. in a way, at least on Cyclops's end. It was like he needed somebody to talk to. Exactly, and she was. He felt like he couldn't connect with Jean. You know, he couldn't deal with. They couldn't connect because of her past as the Phoenix, his connection to Apocalypse, as well as she was running the school. She was the headmistress of the school. Xavier was, I believe, gone at the time. He yes. left. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't one of his times he was dead. Yeah. Is he in a chair? Is he walking again? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Because then we also introduced Zorn through this whole thing as well. Uh, Which, yeah. Yeah, that's just a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Brian. (laughs) But it, it does lead into them growing into a psychic affair. And what really got me when I started to absolutely hate it was when Emma started donning the phoenix costume oh. in those in those little psychic encounters and i was just like what the fuck yeah and then there's that one time and where one time is gene she, she's in. like bam <laughs> what i love that gene throws scott out of his own mind <laughs> <laughs> he's like i can't even access this <laughs> she's like you, she's like would you like to explain this and she cool. was just and you're gone I'll never forget, I was living in the Virgin Islands, and I was getting my uh, comics, you know, via the mail and from uh, New York, and I remember getting these issues and reading it, and it was when she first became the Phoenix, was uh, the school was threatened, yes. and she was by herself, and she had all the kids, and all these army guys came up, and all of a sudden... Flame started, and I was like, "Oh!" Like I just saw the tips of her hair starting into flame. Then I turned that page, and she was the phoenix, and I masturbated. Sticky <laughs> pages again. Sticky <laughs> pages. Every time the phoenix shows up, so does my friend. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a little fire in her hair. <laughs> That's all it does for me. But then you know, and then when the battle in the mine, and she was like, oh, "You know, Emma, it's just you, me, and the phoenix." And that big double page spread of the big phoenix for, and Emma crying. I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> oh, the opening day. Oh, that was good times. Debacle, yeah. That was good times. Good times. <laughs> uh, which then led into her accepting the Phoenix and, and really, for the first time, I think, ever, as Jean Grey. And this was no clone. There was no major catastrophe that led to her rebirth as the Phoenix. Right. This time. This time. Full Phoenix, we'll say. Because, you know, what triggers the actual... Uh, later on is a whole other thing but uh, this was the first time where she fully was just like fuck this you know I've got power within me I need to protect the people I care about and at that point it was her students because they were coming to storm the school and yeah. she was like no she had to stop it and she did and then with Emma and that whole psychic affair and she just was at her wits end and she was done and 
that's that the the Firebird and and she also I I don't remember what happened to Emma but Emma was shattered her diamond was shattered and she Jean was put it yeah and she yes. totally shattered into millions and millions of pieces and Jean put it together exactly she was because she realized that, that he loves her that she loves Scott and I think it was less about Scott loving Emma and more about the fact that it wasn't just Emma trying to fuck with Jean and do something to hurt her. It was the fact that Emma actually had fallen in love with Scott. And I think, and Scott was being taken over. He was kidnapped. Something along those lines. Scott was in trouble. I remember that. Scott was in trouble. And, um, Jean, yes, Jean used the put Phoenix Force. I remember his to, saying to her, Scott needs you. Yeah, Scott needs you. And put her back together. And that's when, uh, Kazorn shot her. Had one of the, sc- the students like shoot her yeah. in her diamond form. And that's what shattered her in the whole nine. So, yeah, so that was, she was starting to accept things in a certain way, but at the same point was accepting the power and using the power in such a way that wasn't completely dangerous. And, um, then we lead into after all that we find out that Zorn is a traitor amongst the you know, and the that troops. whole mess and you know but I liked they were what was it the ship uh, Wolverine and Jean were on a ship headed toward the sun and well they got lured up into space yeah and then Jean all of a sudden goes or no that was Phantom X yep and Wolverine because of the the um the Weapon Plus project yes. So Wolverine had gone with Cyclops and Phantom X out into space to try to stop that whole thing. Wolverine's finding out about himself and his past and all that. So yeah, Gene's yeah. got to go save him. Of course. <sighs> Damn Wolverine. <laughs> <sighs> never, I've never been a fan of Wolverine. I think it's just way too overhyped. I mean, he's got some good points, granted, but whatever. Um, and then, yeah, she, she goes to save him. And then she goes to him. She goes, look at where we are. Asteroid M. And it was such a kickback to old school Magneto with right. all of that and bringing Asteroid M back, you know. And um, that led to the final issues of Jean Grey. So, yeah, the final issues that uh, the, their ship was headed toward the sun. And she's like, you don't have a choice, Wolverine. You have to do it. And he had to kill her. And he kept stabbing her and stabbing her until finally it released the phoenix. Yeah. And the phoenix took over. And I remember when she shows up back at the school and Emma's just like, ugh, <laughs> look who's showing off again. <laughs> Always has to make an entrance. That's right, because she and Beast were, what was it, like in Antarctica or whatever. Yeah. And there was this like spaceship part phoenix and she was like, ugh. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> but it was great. It was the last moment and she went off on Magneto and Magneto gives her a stroke. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it was more of the gene in control that it happened. I just don't understand. Yeah, it's still to this day. I read that, and I, I think I might have thrown the book across the room. And I was like, "Why the hell did you let me read this?" It was, it was. I think the weakest way that they killed her. Oh my god! Yeah, because he touched her. Oh, I sent an electro an electromagnetic pulse through you that would destroy the solar system. Bitch, when did you get that power? When, <laughs> you could bend spoons with your mind. Like, I, I don't get this. How are you taking out uh, like a celestial entity's force in a you know in an omega level mutant? Right, like nothing. He <laughs> took her out, and blood coming out of her nose. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. It's just I. I cried. Of course, I cried. I had no heart on for years. Uh, <laughs> but then, of course, you know, then. Uh, they they finished it off with the tomorrow one the tomorrow, future yeah. here comes tomorrow that they show that she comes back and she 
as the white phoenix when she puts the universe back together. Did she become the white phoenix? She at that point? in that point. That's at the well, end of that. There's no universe, so she recreates it. Yeah. No. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Because they were. It showed all the white phoenix of the crown. Yeah. Because it, it shows at first like Cyclops mourning and not being able to go on after her death, and, and then Emma wants to run the school with him. And right. He and he's like, her no, no. And then it shows Jean at the end taking pieces of her away from him so he can heal and have them together. Yeah, her tears rebuilt the, the universe in the way it was supposed to be. <sighs> and that was the last time we saw Jean for years. Until End Song. I love that we did that in unison. That I mean, we didn't even plan that, people. <laughs> Everybody said, they go, God damn, they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, End Song was brilliantly drawn, colored like it. It was beautiful. It, I loved it aesthetically. Every moment of it was just amazing. I had the digital version of it. Um, we had downloaded from one of the apps on uh, on on our phones, and I'm just sitting there, and I was entranced through its five six issues. Something like that. Somewhere I think it was five issues. Yeah. Um. So and going through it all, and it was amazing to see. How they brought it back, and the fact that the Phoenix went and dug up Jean Grey. It's like, I can't do nothing else. Let me just go bring, let me go bring her back from the dead again. <laughs> On the tail of a dragonfly. Oh, it was so nice. <laughs> so poetic. And it, and it was just, it was so interesting to see how they, they started everything from the Phoenix Force kind of bouncing from person to person and going, Why am I here? Why, Why am, am I here? here? Oh, you're not who I'm looking for. And it, and it was, really kind of awesome how they gave you little insights into each of the characters as it went from, from person to person from the Cuckoos to Quentin Choir to Beast to Wolverine funny little man yeah <laughs> he is a funny little man um, and then finally getting to Jean Grey's grave and going oh that's why I'm here <laughs> hello yeah <laughs> that's pulling you out the ground um, and then it realizing that it wasn't ready to come back but then knowing that it needed the power which then sparked the whole Quentin Choir right. trying to grab the Phoenix for himself and there was split there was the Phoenix Jean Grey and Jean Grey Jean Grey she buried as the uh, in the green and gold and she was red and gold the Phoenix and she was going around and but one of my favorite parts is like she shows up to Wolverine and Wolverine's like, it's not you, and stuff like that. And she goes, yes, it is. And she has him stab her. Like, for two pages, he did nothing but stab the <laughs> shit out of Jean Grey. And then finally, you turn the third page, and goes, well, now that she's sleeping. I was like, you know what, Wolverine? Haven't you learned anything? <laughs> Isn't this how this happened the last time, Wolverine? Because yeah. <laughs> now the Phoenix was in control. Exactly. Jean was not dead. Jean was sleeping, healing, and the Phoenix was now in control of everything. Exactly. Stupid ass. And then it decided to try to take over Emma. Try to take over Emma. It wanted Scott's power. Yes. Because Scott had that unlimited power yes. that could constantly keep her energy up and all the absorb all of it. So they put him in that little egg. And um, Cyclops kept shooting at her. And they were like, oh shit, that's what it wants. Never mind, get out of there. <laughs> Like, God damn, we screwed up again. <sighs> Haven't we learned our lessons yet? And then Kitty goes down and pulls Jean Grey out of the frozen, the Antarctic, whatever the hell she was in, but f pulls her out. And that's when it was Phoenix versus Jean. Yeah. You know, and they would just went at it and she rips the Phoenix Force right out of Emma. Just rips it out of her, grabs Emma, just throws Emma aside. <laughs> She's like, bitch, you don't got this. I do. 
And it was, and it was that epic moment of, I have to bond with this to make this stop. And just seeing was, I think it was Emma, right? She had the Cerebro and she had everybody connected to saying, we love you. We love you. We love you. Was it Emma that did that? I think it was Emma through Cerebro. And or Cerebra and Cerebra at the point <laughs> had everybody that was ever connected to Gene say yeah. I love you Rachel Wolverine Cable Ian, everybody all yeah. over the world it was... Havoc was there you know <sighs> and they all touched and then she she had mascara running down her face and she was uh, crying that's, I think that was one of I think that was my favorite panel out of the entire thing was the the tears running and it's just like half or three quarters of her face on the panel mm-hmm. and it's just the tears the tears running down and then the, the the word bubbles down the side of it so amazingly done evoked such emotion oh. for every Jean Grey fan and even if you really weren't a huge Jean Grey fan the way it was written was so amazing that it, it so pulled at your heartstrings that it's like is that person that everybody is missing but knows can't be back right like they know this isn't real they know this isn't right but it's just so it's kind of almost it's almost a closure it's that healing point for everybody where they're able to kind of finally one last time get to say i love you and then and then she turned and then i remember scott going like who are you when she was now in the white and gold like, i am jean gray and i am the phoenix i'm the white phoenix of the crown it was fabulous and she's holding her yeah. she's holding herself in her seductive pose <laughs> in her white look and gold. at my breasts <laughs> she's, like, she's like don't you see me holding my breasts up <laughs> I'm the white phoenix of the crown. <laughs> it was it was beautiful, and she was going to find the rest of it. That yes. was her journey, and that was the last we heard of her. She was brought back too early. She was brought back too yep. early, so she's got to go back to the the white hot room and, and heal, become whole again, and then we'll see her in another like ten years. And <laughs> it's been about ten years. Yeah, she'll she'll pop back up around at some point, which then leads into Jean Grey coming back. Yeah, <laughs> in uh in, in this all new X Men. But my biggest thing, and this was part of the reason why I, I felt so flat at the end of AVX. Cyclops was right. Yes, and the was. Phoenix was the key to restarting the mutant population. But the way they did it gutted me. Because depending on how you read it, it could really just mean the end of Jean Grey as Phoenix. Again, maybe not a horrible thing, right? But at the same point, where this whole thing started with Wanda uttering the words "No more mutants," and she couldn't get it right, and she didn't annihilate all of them. She just got rid of you know everybody else except the X Men, <laughs> exactly, and you know her and her siblings. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she joined with Hope, the two people that could hurt the Phoenix, mm-hmm. and she uttered the words "No more Phoenix." But at the end. You know, they focused on Hope, and she was on the island and stuff, and then Hope took a step, and the flower grew. Yes. Which I took it as, this phoenix. Because that's, it showed in, every time the phoenix destroyed a world, a flower grew. Hmm. So in all the very first, I think, three or four issues when it was coming to Earth, it would destroy a planet and would show a flower. Hmm. So I think that's, it's not gone. So maybe, maybe Hope absorbed... Some of it. Some of Even it. Even if there's an essence. Yes. It's still there that can build. Because as in Endsong, where it was just a fragment of the Phoenix Force, is what then started that whole that whole ball rolling. So it restarted the mutant population. Lights are popping up all over Cerebro. And uh, it really did what it was supposed to do. And it did bring rebirth of the mutant population, which was all it wanted to do. That's it. 
you know. But I mean, Scott knew better, and I wonder if Hope just accepted it. What would have happened? Would have just started, and then she would have left as the Phoenix, which I really wanted because I hate Hope. <sighs> <laughs> well, the the the, uh, the Phoenix knew, even if she had said, "I'm ready," the Phoenix knew she wasn't ready, and it wasn't willing to just settle for somebody who wasn't going to ex- be able to fully understand and handle it. Right. And then the Avengers went and fucked it all up by splitting it into five pieces, oh. trying to destroy it. Great job. Yeah. Great job, Iron Man. Great job. Exactly. You would think maybe they would know better. No, not so much. Um, but it, it did lead into the restarting of the mutant population. And hopefully, no pun intended, you know, if Hope did absorb some of it, it will keep the Phoenix alive in some way, shape, or form that they maybe will be able to come back to it later well, on. Well, because look, Wanda's power didn't... It never killed off the mutant race. It just severed some kind of a tie. Yes. And that's what they explained. Like, your brain couldn't access your power. You had it, you just couldn't get to it. Yes, because that Because that's how Emma restarted uh, Iceman. Because Iceman had no powers, and Emma was able to restart it for him. Because she was able to go in and poke around. Right. So, and that's all... And that was the whole depowering of mutants on top. Not even just the fact that there were no more. It, you depowered all these mutants, and there was really no new ones born outside of Hope. You know, the second coming, the Messiah complex, all of that. And I'm sorry, if we go to the Hope... She was born in Alaska where Madeline Pryor was created. Mm-hmm. And she had red hair and green eyes. I was, I was a firm believer that she was a, uh, a clone that Sinister created to take the Phoenix, knowing that in the future. And that's what I really thought she was going to wind up being. You know, just uh, it was created because they used the DNA of Jean Grey, which yeah. is all it really knows. It knows that's the attraction to the yeah. Phoenix. Because it had bonded with it, with Jean, so long ago and has had this bond for. 40 years, 40 plus years at this point. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in their time, it's like three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Or a month. <laughs> it's known for about, you know, four months. <laughs> <laughs> but what broke my heart in AVX, and I just have to, for Rachel, and Rachel had the Phoenix for so long, and she was the one who was able to tame it, mm-hmm. I guess, or bend it to her will, yep. and it didn't even acknowledge her. You know, and I remember her and Cyclops walking and talking and she's like does it talk about me i'm like really really like a bad breakup (laughs) exactly does he still think about me does he ever ask about me does he ask how i'm doing you know and that's what i was like wow and it's like that it it should have been one of her too she should have been taken in not magic fucking bitch sorry (laughs) but i think part of that is because rachel is such a unique character to any timeline and i mentioned this earlier that there is no other rachel Right. Rachel, as the Hound, as Phoenix, as whatever, when she crossed over from her timeline to ours, there's never been another Rachel. There is no other mention of Rachel. There's no ultimate Rachel. There's no any other timeline Rachel. Rachel Summers, that is there, is Rachel, and that's it. So maybe in this timeline, or because of that, the Phoenix really didn't know her, respond to her, didn't know her, so didn't reach out to her. And she really wasn't even, at that point, she wasn't even a part of what was going on. Because that was Cyclops' X-Men. Right, she was with Wolverine. And she was a... Kinda. Well, yeah, she ended up being a turncoat. But um, but when it, when it came down to it, she wasn't there. Had she been a part of that, that side of it, maybe that would have been. Right. And she would have gotten a cuter Phoenix outfit than her. Or, you know, what would have been really funny is if they just went back to that red with the, the spikes on it. <laughs> Yeah, Everybody I mean, else gets a really cool new outfit. Goes, what the hell? <laughs> she gets her mullet and her rat tail back. She goes, fuck. Somebody get this out of me. Somebody shoot me, please. 
<laughs> Logan! <laughs> I need to be stabbed. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that really would have been kind of, it would have been nice to, to see that and see Rachel. And I'm, I like the fact that now getting back into reading them, seeing Rachel being a little bit more prominent in, in the titles. I loved her in Excalibur. I loved Excalibur as a whole. I did. I was a big fan of Excalibur. Um, I love Captain Britain. He's my favorite. Sorry. I like that's you know it's funny Excalibur made me fall in love with Nightcrawler. That's uh, where I mean I liked him in the X Men, yes. but he was very he was such a great character in Excalibur. Yes. Yes. You know, and I really liked him, and I thought he was great. And then Colossus was there, and Kitty was there, and Megan. God only knows what her thing is. But, <laughs> where is she? <laughs> and she pops in when you need her. <laughs> when she actually she showed up when Captain Britain joined Secret Avengers, she was there. Ah. Uh. You know, with him, not as Megan, you know, doing the power thing, but she was with him, the wife. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah she's uh, just as long as she's still around somewhere. Yeah, she's still around. Then <laughs> she lost her powers? She, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody really cares about that. Yeah, no one now. really cares. You see, yeah, yeah, there's Megan. Are you still, are you still uh, barefoot and wearing that green dress, girl? All right. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> just checking in on you. <laughs> uh, so it, it's good to see that the Phoenix really did bring rebirth and... It burns away what doesn't work, and it rebuilds and makes better. So now hopefully we'll get better. Yeah. You know, but the thing, now we go into all-new X-Men. Yes. Which Hank Beast goes back in time and pulls the original five from his timeline, not an alternate timeline, from his timeline, because they have to fix what happened. They, which he I wants feel is them kind of to going a little far. Which, you know, I'm like, okay, you're confronting them of the future of things they're going to do. Which should, in turn, fuck up what's exactly. going on right here, right now. Exactly. Like, okay, now, if Jean turns around and she's like, oh, I killed how many billions of people? Oh, and so now the Phoenix calls out to her and she goes, no. Exactly. So will the Phoenix ever come to Earth? Or is it destined? Will the Phoenix always bond with Jean Grey? Is that always a destiny? But That's at thing. that point, does she start as... The good phoenix. Or just goes right to or dark goes phoenix. Right to dark fuck phoenix. Fuck she's, she's like, I don't want this. I don't want this. <laughs> fuck. All right. Well, where are those broccoli people? I'll go kill them now. <laughs> she's sitting there. She's like, she's got a little, she's got her cell phone out. She's got her little calendar. I kill broccoli people tomorrow. <laughs> All right. I'll get right on that. Gene, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I got to go kill a solar system. I'll see, see y'all later. later. <laughs> I got to eat a star. <laughs> So it'll it'll be interesting to see how that's going to affect everything. Yeah, everything because, because they're not just. It's not the one big thing is it's not a one shot. It's not. It's a, a new ongoing. Thing. It's an ongoing. He plans on doing this, which you know Bendis is known. Look at the, how long he was on the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, he agreed to do the X Men if he could do the originals, and this is the only way they could do it. So we'll see. We're going to see what's going to happen if things are going to change or. This everything is just destined. No matter what they do, it's not going to change. It's just maybe going to be aware. It's possible. It, I almost think that it would have been a. I like the premise. I I I think with so much sci-fi in everybody's minds, and even you know mainstream sci-fi, you talk like Charmed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know those shows that were so big where you didn't need to be a sci-fi person or a fan of like witchcraft and vampires right. and all that. That we all have that in our head of. Well, if you go back and you change the past, you completely alter the future. That butterfly effect, exactly. Or yeah, you know that right that there. movie right there. You know that's that's the big one. And it's- so, had they had they taken them from an alternate reality in some way, and just and Beast had gone in, found and it was and it was basically to show like the 
pure nature of where they started and pull them from that so that way he could help change the course of where we're going now I could see that because then you're not outright affecting your past you're taking somebody else's past and you're fucking with it but whatever (laughs) and I might I don't care (laughs) he's like "Eh, we're not in that timeline whatever but um, but yeah so it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out it'll be great to have Jean Grey back on the canvas in any way shape or form I'm so excited I'm so excited Jean Grey's gonna go to the Jean Grey school (laughs) I'm like it's like such a big thrill for me she's like hey that's me (laughs) so it's it'll definitely be interesting to see how they respond to Xavier being gone and dead this time and even what he did to them exactly like he fucked with all their minds you know so now they're gonna go so you never know that in the future it could be the outcome after the Bendis' run or end of this big story arc it could be that from a different timeline yeah. you know and that's the gene that stays and I don't know nobody knows Original, right now they're saying that this is out 616 is past so it'll be interesting to see I'm, I'm looking forward to it I don't think I've been really kind of excited for a storyline I, I, I'm going into it with a little trepidation because you never know how it's going to turn out. You don't know if it's going to be a complete flop. Right. You know, like I said, that, that one page or two page excerpt that they showed in the, the preview book, it was compelling. Right. The way that it was written. And, and I think that it has a chance to really make a, an impact and make a mark. But at the same point, you know, now you've pulled your pa- your past self out of the past, so now they can't do those things that they were supposed to be doing to get you to where you're at now, and you're also changing them. So even if you send them back, it's going to alter. So it, there's so many loose ends exactly. to see how they're going to really To see run. what the whole outcome, why they're doing this. Exactly. Like, I'm sure there's a bigger picture that we just don't know. So... So we'll we'll be looking forward to that's this seventeenth, fourteenth, seventeenth, seventeenth. Okay. Oh, gee. Which I think this I think we were talking about releasing this right before the Friday before yeah. the release of that. So we'll be waiting to see how that turns and out. And in comic shop, supposedly we're getting two copies, preview copies. Yeah. So I'm gonna be able to read it hopefully this week. You, you so best so be calling a brother and be like, "What's be, up?" I'm gonna post everything about everything. No, no. <laughs> so I think it's the first time Aaron's gonna like tie me down and not make me do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you just take this week off, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to be spoiled, all right? Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see how that goes. Um, so if you, with, so I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yes. So if you were to take your expansive Jean Grey knowledge and history, what would you say is like the one pivotal or, or your most standout moment in Jean Grey's storied history? Okay, this is not really... It was a backup story in one of the... I think it actually was a fill-in issue. And it was Jean Grey, her te- telepathy is so strong that she bonded with this puppy, a puppy that was beaten and killed. And she went after. She was already Phoenixy at this point, and she was going after the kids who did this to her, did this puppy with a bloodlust. And but the way they drew it, and the way they talked about it, of the connection, and this puppy going, "Am I a good dog now? If I don't do this, will you stop hitting?" And I can't even how much it like just broke my heart that Jean was like feeling that this puppy was trying to do everything to be good, so they stopped hitting it and beating it and torturing this poor puppy, setting it. It was. It was horrific, and just Jean Grey, like Cyclops, looked at her, and she just went dark. Instantly, her face went really dark, and she's like, I'm going to kill them. And Cyclops had to talk her down, and that was a moment 
of Gene that I will never forget that just it just really touched me. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff, but that's one thing that always sticks out. Yeah, that's, for me. that's absolutely amazing because it shows it shows how powerful, how I don't want to say vindictive, but how how determined and how fierce she is to defend mm-hmm. the people or the things that can't defend themselves. And that's always been the fiber of her being has really just been that girl next door, the mother figure, everything that's good. Right. That even when she goes bad, it's always, there's always a core of selflessness in it. I mean, aside from the, you know, eating a star and destroying a solar system. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't our fault, though. We still love you, Gene. (laughs) Oh, Gene. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Um... No, and that that really kind of kind of brings it back down. Um, I think in going through reading some of the newer stuff, and I mean, I loved the Dark Phoenix saga, the her turning the the laser on herself, and you know, you know, saying goodbye to Scott was probably one of the most powerful things I read when I started reading comics. Um, but End Song, that what we talked that about moment, before, yeah. that moment where she finally stops and sees everybody that cares about her and that's you know like Rachel saying I love you mom and all those that I think was probably the most emotional Phoenix Jean Grey moment I think I've ever had reading any of them they've all been so amazingly poignant and so powerfully written but that one scene and especially the way that they did it and it was just drawn with the you know the shadow telepathic heads of everybody and just seeing how much she's loved and they even it even kind of broke Emma a little bit. And she's like, "God damn!" Yeah, Emma was like, "Damn, are you loved woman?" <laughs> you know? She's like, "I still hate you, <laughs> cow." <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about your new outfit. Whatever, you copy my white looks. <laughs> but um, I think that I think in in kind of becoming a reader again, I think that's probably been my most uh, my most standout moment. And I think I actually even had tears rolling down my cheeks for that. And I don't, you know, I, I get emotional during some of the stuff, but I don't think I've ever cried during a, you know, reading a book. And that was just so powerfully written and so amazingly drawn that it just, it, it trumped, I think, everything else that I've ever read. And it just was knowing that, wow, that's kind of the end of the line. Right. You, you never say never because, you know, they bring back just about everybody. Well, I do like that we're getting Gene again and we're not getting the convoluted Phoenix mess. Yes. It's, That's it's the one. It's, it's exactly. We're wiping the slate without really wiping the slate. Yes. Which I like. It's now going to be a different Gene again. Now she's going to grow up, you know, all over again. But with the knowledge of everything that happened to her. Well, that's if she stays here. Like Brian was talking about how possibly we're supposed she stays. Supposing they all go back and she stays. And now that's the Jean Grey that's here. What happens? Exactly. But the the cover of issue three of All New X-Men, it's got her at the center, but then it's got her fighting with the living monolith in one corner. It's got, you know, like the phoenix in one corner. It's got all these different things. And so I'm assuming... That's the variant one that I want. Oh, is that... The the regular cover is her in the little uh, Miss Marvel, not uh, Marvel Girl outfit, and she has all the pictures of the Dark Phoenix saga, the wedding, and she's just looking up. Oh, she has all these pictures. That's the regular cover. Ah. 
the variant is the one I want with all the genes. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought that was um, was actually a couple issues in because I saw the cover posted. I saw the, that picture on uh, Facebook, and I was like, "And I want this." Yeah, exactly. Oh, give me. So it'll be interesting to see how they they play all that, and because that's right from the start, that's going to be a huge issue. You know how she's going to cope and how she's going to deal with that. So, and how long until Wolverine rapes her? <laughs> I give it a week. I mean, it'll be 10 years in our time. I'll be dead, but I give it a week. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I think that really kind of just covers our little, our little Jean Grey talk. And we didn't sit here with our on, on the bed, you know, with our hand, our our fists under our chins, going. So, <laughs> Jean's so pretty. <laughs> I wish I had her outfits. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see how they they take this. It'll be nice to see Jean Grey back into our continuity. However, they're going to do this. Could be great. I'm excited. It could. I'm suck. very excited. <laughs> I know it can go either way, but it's it's built up a, a definite hype and a definite desire to see how this plays out. So, I'm sure that the uh, next flame on recording will. I'll just get the- bitch slapped. <laughs> I'll just tell Gene, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a, a topic that'll be discussed in depth on that one. So maybe I'll be a part of that that uh, that conversation. Bear rug. <laughs> With the basket rug. The rug. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. But until then, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. So I'm going to say flame off for now, but I know there's going to be a surprise. Hey, listeners, it's Oral from, uh, you know, Flame On. Now, I know they have bored you to tears. Bored you to tears with blah, 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 Jean Grey. Blah, 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 Madeline. Blah, 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 she's coming back. But nobody wanted her back. She's been dead for years. She should have stayed dead. And even now, out of everything that came out of AVX, what have we learned? Nobody cares about the Phoenix. The Phoenix was just the stepping stone to rekindle the mutant race. Phoenix destroys every planet on its way back to Earth, and nobody talks about that. But you have one bad day, one bad day, all the mutants disappear, and public enemy number one, bullshit. I call shenanigans. Shenanigans. And to end this, no more Jean, no more Madeline, no more Phoenix. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 